Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm currently sitting on my floor. <laughs> I got a new desk. I haven't put it together yet. It's going to be standing. It's going to be great. I got a walking pad doing all the things, but I have not put it together yet. So today we're recording on the floor. Honestly, I think it worked. So speaking of filming things while in different areas of your house, today's podcast guest is Drew Talbert. And he was such a perfect guest for this time when we are mid-strike. We recorded this on July 25th. So there is the strike fully in play right now. As of this moment, WGA SAG still going on. Maybe when this podcast airs, it'll be over. A girl can dream. So I was so excited to talk to Drew because we met at a panel at Groundlings where we spoke about our SAG contracts. And he is on the influencer contract. I'm on the podcast contract. And I thought he was so interesting because he runs his own corner of the internet. He has complete creative control over all the videos he makes, over everything he does. And he is a working actor in the process, but he uses... TikTok mainly, but also Instagram and YouTube and Facebook as his income streams, as well as his acting. So he created Bistro Huddy with his wife, and he does videos specifically about serving and about waiter and waitress experiences. And they are fucking hilarious, you guys. They are so funny. You must follow him. All of his stuff is linked in the show notes. But today he comes on and talks about what it's like being an entrepreneur, how this looks different than the actor life he thought it would be. And how a lot of people who are, by the time they're in their 40s, have left this business. And what has kept him here, even though he hasn't made it by standards that we set in our heads. He also talks about managing this whole business while having anxiety. We talk a lot about learning from failures. So he originally had a YouTube channel that got about 200 subscribers. And now he has millions of followers across various social media platforms. How he started where he was versus where he is now, the lessons he has learned in the process, and whether or not this has specifically helped his acting career. Also, Drew is on the SAG after influencer agreement. So because of the content he makes, a form of his income, which he gets detailed in about today's podcast, a portion of that goes back to SAG AFTRA and it helps him and his family qualify for SAG pension and health. Incredible stuff. I cannot wait for you to listen. I hope you get as inspired as I am. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please enjoy Drew Talbert. My first question for you is, is the wall behind you real brick or is it fake brick? Uh, it's LA, so it's fake, just like <laughs> everything else. Yeah, it's, it's purchased off Amazon. It's for foot photography, I think. It's a photography background. So I use, yeah, a mix of this and then like, which I would call a practical effect. And then I shoot against green screen a lot. And the background you see there are photos taken from my most recent serving job where my wife and I met. It's called the Boneyard Bistro. And, and the owner, chef, Aaron Robbins, was gracious enough to let us take pictures and like use them for the background. So, But it's also a lot of brick. I so this. I love this. I have a few listeners who have vehemently told me they refuse to join TikTok. In case someone hasn't come across your TikTok or your Instagram, which mm -hmm. your TikTok has millions of followers, so you're gracing us with your angel energy today. 
What do you do on TikTok, Drew? I make restaurant-themed comedy videos where I play all the characters and my wife and I write them and that's it. We've kind of organically, accidentally created a restaurant sitcom in a way because not the, you know, it, it like a sitcom, it doesn't necessarily follow a linear timeline, but each episode you see the characters react to a situation that hopefully yeah. is relatable to people that have worked in restaurants or if you, you know, just eaten at them, but. But yeah, that's it. It's called Bistro Huddy. And that's a lot of fun. That's that's basically what I do. Okay. So talk to me about how that started, because I don't think you were like, I'm going to create a platform with millions of followers and it will one day feed into sag After and all of these things. Like, what was the impetus no. of, I want to start this? Because a lot of actors are sitting at home thinking like, I've worked in a restaurant. I have yeah. funny jokes. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Where did we get from here to there? Yeah. Most of them, actually. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So... Like a lot of you guys, I was a server while I was waiting for a break, you know, and that turned into decades. <laughs> Listener, if you cannot see, I'm an old man. Yeah, so I moved out in right for college in 2000, went back to Nashville where I'm from for a little bit, came back, but on and off since 2000, I've been out here going for it. And I was a server for the flexibility and I've had some little hits here and there. Some good things have happened in my acting and writing career, but nothing that ever paid the bills consistently. And so I just kept that going. And then COVID hit and shut down the restaurant. And I was teaching at the Groundlings at the time. And we shut down for a while. We started doing online classes. And both things went away that I was doing as jobs. We had a one-year-old, my wife and I, and I had some time for the first time. I was working two jobs. I had no time to make content. And my wife's friend got her on TikTok and I started noticing there was some funny stuff on there. Maybe like a lot of you, I'd prejudged TikTok as the nine-year-old dancing app. Yeah. Now, go back to 2020, you know, because I know mm -hmm. now people are way more familiar with it. But 2020, if you're like me, 40-ish, you know, you're like, I'm not getting on there. But I kept laughing at stuff I was seeing. I was like, that dude is freaking hilarious. Or like, look at her, like... That's so funny. What a funny take on that. Like, this is a lot more than that. Oh, wow. That's some great financial advice. So I remember downloading the app, you know, and then I'm like, I'm a creative type. I had also spent a year trying to make it as a YouTuber. I committed to a video a week for a year. And after a whole year of commitment, of editing and writing and all this stuff, all around this one stupid character I'd created, I had a grand total of 200 subscribers on YouTube. So <laughs> failure, but like a lot of stories, that's where you are growing the most is when you're like learning by doing and you're not perfect yeah. yet. You're just like, fuck it. I'm going to start. And so I, I got better at editing and understanding thumbnails and every other damn thing. But just so you know, before TikTok, it wasn't like this was the first time I ever tried to create content. Like a lot of actors We've been told over the last decade, like, make your own content, get noticed. So I was down. I loved editing. I loved writing. My wife and I would talk about it. We're like, what are we doing? We're both in LA. We're both actors. We both write. She had produced this uh, show a few years back, you know, that was awesome independently. And we're like, we have between the two of us, we should be doing something, you know. So COVID hit and I started making just random videos I thought would be funny. And some of them hit, some of them di didn't. And then I made one where I played the waiter, the mom, and a little obnoxious toddler. 
And it's that situation a lot of servers find themselves in where the parent is trying to use the server to teach their child manners, in this case, to say thank you, but you're busy as a server. You don't have time, but the toddler won't say it. And so you keep trying to get away and the server and the parent's like, no, 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 he'll say it. Say thank you. And so I just did that as a, like, that's a funny idea to, you know, I did it, boom, like a million views. And like, I I said to myself, like, okay, if you guys like this, I have 22 years as a server in 12 restaurants in two different states. I have years of content here. So I just decided like, I'm going to lean into this. So every night, put the kid to bed at like 7, 7.30 and I'd go into this four foot by four foot section of our bedroom where I could film because we were in a small place and I would just put up a green screen behind or I'd sit at this one little chair and make these server videos that were very random, not cohesive. There was no bistro hoodie. It just grew from that because as people would say, oh, we love that character. Well, that would become a consistent character and it grew like that piece by piece. Yeah. Oh, there's so much in here I love. First of all, can we just touch on the YouTube of it all? As someone who is newly on YouTube, I've been on like for like a year. It's a beast of a platform. What did you learn from working on that platform as an actor that you would or wouldn't take on to other content creation? Wow, that's good. Because I am on YouTube with the Beast Ready videos too, because we upload right. the same stuff to TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. And Facebook, I'm happy to say with this run, I'm up to almost 900,000 subscribers. So this went a little Boy, differently. But <laughs> that turned, huh? That turned, huh? Yeah. But, but, in that, but in the first channel I tried to make and in this one, mm-hmm. I have learned a good bit by, I'm someone who likes to dig in and read and watch videos about uh, how to and like get advice about stuff. So like I did, you know, my share of like researching, like literally how to make a thumbnail and all that. But like I read the comments. Every platform has its own personality. On YouTube, the comment is not attached to someone's social media profile. So like if you say, I fucking hate you, you piece of shit. I can't click on you and be like, oh, Ralph from Mobile, Alabama, why'd you say that thing to me? And like, yeah, we can't have a dialogue. So they feel very safe. So YouTube is where you'll get the most brutal, you could call it brutal honesty. Mm-hmm. You could call it whatever you want, but it's, it, it's dangerous. Be careful out there <laughs> in yeah, the comment yeah. section, unlike other social media platforms. So, but when they say good things, they really mean it. And it's also very international. You know, so there's servers from all over the world that will comment stuff. So just specifically for what I do, I read the comments to get generate ideas to steer it in the direction I feel like it should go to see where people are vibing from. It's an incredible way to get feedback. What, like I said, I jokingly said it's kind of like a sitcom. But if you think about it, my wife and I are making about three videos a week that we have full creative control over that we have instant free mass distribution to like, that's the big thing is like, if you spend your life, you know, you're trying to make this show, you shop it around, you finally get it picked up and then you're in purgatory, maybe waiting for it to find a slot. And then you finally get it on there and then it's canceled or whatever, or you make a short film or whatever. It's all about trying to get eyeballs on it, distribution. And all these platforms have given us a way to get insane instant distribution. And like I said, 
you're moving so fast. So you can like pivot and go in a direction that's interesting to you artistically or like something you haven't explored about your niche or, or mm-hmm. from the feedback from the audience. Oh, they want more of this character. And you're just like feeding it as a writer and putting it out there and getting the instant feedback and then working off that feedback in such a way that as a writer or actor, to answer your first question, like the other thing as an actor is like putting yourself out there that much, just putting yourself on camera, even if it's yourself, if you have a little friend helping you or not, I just sit in the room with the camera, but just doing that so much has helped me as an actor, because when you're playing off yourself, it's kind of bullshit. Let's be honest. If you're a real actor and you're listening to this, you're like, you're playing off yourself. Acting is reacting. This is all bullshit. I hear you. You're not wrong, but is an element to like, for me to play this correctly, to get the emotions right. I have to really be in the moment. I have to really, it's in an imagination way. I have to feel the hit of what the other quote unquote character just said to me, feel that and react off of it. And that's what I hope makes the content feel believable and fun. As an actor, I am practicing, even if it is off my imagination, I am practicing emotional reacting on a daily basis, which I did not get before I started making the content. Well, that's huge too, because so much of what we do now is self-tapes and you really have you and your imagination because we don't really, I mean, you do, you maybe you get a script sometimes, most of the time not. It's like, what can you do with this? And I'm sure your background in Groundlings must have influenced this a great deal. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing about it is it, it really all came together. So if you yeah. imagine me in my 40s trying to make it as an actor to this and not having success, most people have quit by that point most sane people, but I did have the growlings, which fed me because I made it to their Sunday company, which was a little Mm -hmm. boost. And then I was teaching there, which gave me a sense of like home. And like, at least I'm not just waiting tables. I'm also contributing to the business out here in an artistic way. And that was fun. So it kept me going, but it also taught me how to create characters and how to play characters believably because I think Groundlings does that exceptionally well and I'm biased, but that's what we do. So I also had wigs. <laughs> and so when COVID shut yes. things down, I had the stories from my serving experience. I had the editing skills from um, different ways. You know, I'd been certified in Avid and, and been an assistant editor, blah, blah, blah. But I had, it all came together where I could play all the characters in a way, because at TikTok in 2020, I don't know if anybody else was on there, all the men playing female characters would just put a towel on their head. So they would play themselves and I do wife, remember right? this. Yeah, yes, that was I it. I do remember this phase. Time, They'd be like, this is me when my wife asked me to whatever, you know, and it'd be like, hey, blah, blah, and then cut to the other shot and it'd be him with a towel on his head. Yeah. L- just draped like that was hair because I think they were just scared of going too far and being like, I don't know where that, whatever, we can all make our yeah. assumptions there. But I, I was kind of one of the only ones that I saw. I think the only one I saw that was going full wig because I had a bag of them from my Ellie <laughs> days. And now I see a lot more of them. I like to just feel like I helped promote the, the use of wigs on TikTok. I don't know. Oh, I love this. If you haven't done a sponsored post with a wig shop yet, that should no. be absolutely on the radar. <laughs> Tell your agent to look that up. Um, Amazon, though, yeah. (laughs) 
they're, they're not nice ways. They, I kind of like that more though. How do you feel like this is translated into your acting career? Because there is a mentality that I argue with with actors all the time that, well, if you're on like social media, it's like not real acting. And I'm like, I have met more cool people and had more experiences because of my existence on the internet than anywhere else. But how is this translated into your acting career in more than just getting some reps in on a daily basis, which is, by the way, huge? I wish I could tell you that it has led to way more opportunities. It has not. Now, I don't even want to begin to like guess why. I think everybody might have their idea. I do know there's still a stigma in the community of acting, whether it's from casting directors or whatever, that content creators are just that. They're in a section by themselves. So far, I have not seen what I do translate to like people going, oh my gosh, can you come read for this part? It just hasn't happened. I get the same amount of auditions. Most auditions are for commercials and always kind of have been. I've never had a lot of theatrical opportunities. And without boring the listener, there's a lot of reasons for that. I, I tell people when they ask for advice or what I've kind of gone through is like, don't just do improv. One mistake I made was I didn't take the real acting classes enough and lean too hard just into improv. So I did make it to Sunday Company and I got myself in some rooms and I was not ready. So I know that there's people in this town that have seen me and it did not go well. And I think maybe they do are aware of the content, but they're not bringing me in for that reason. I'm just, look, I'm left to speculate, but I have taken a lot more acting since then. But no, it, it hasn't led, I cannot see it leading to more opportunities. I think that's not for everybody though. I like Caitlin Riley, who maybe you've seen yeah. brilliant, hers has. And I think it's because she's a fantastic actor and it's very clear watching her content every. There's nothing else in the way. She's not editing together her with a bunch of different, there's no like green screen and all this stuff going on. It's just mm -hmm. a great showcase of her abilities as a writer and an actor. She's just brilliant at like isolating this one character for us. And some other, I think there's a few others I can't name that have like seen opportunities come. Leo Gonzalez mentioned he's has a part coming out in, in a show on Hulu. So I say that not to be like, you know, shift off me, but to say to your listeners, I think there is a way for this to translate to that. Specifically for myself, I have not seen it yet. I will say it is satisfying as an actor because I get to perform for a lot of people every week. I get to do what my dream has always been. And this feels like a new way to perform anyway. And, and I also need to say this because I know there's a lot of different kinds of actors out there. Since I was a child, I've always seen myself as an entertainer and comedian who loved to act as one of the ways to perform and entertain people. But I've always seen myself more as an entertainer than an actor like some folks might dive into their craft and just want to disappear into a role and be a part of a team creating something, which I still am blown away by and have the utmost respect for. But I have to be honest, I see, I've always seen myself more as an entertainer. So for me, this is extremely satisfying. This was never like, oh, if I do this well enough, maybe I'll get to do this thing. I'm living a yeah. dream, in my opinion. So 
Yeah. Well, I love that honesty too, because that's not why you started to do it. It's almost like you found the online version of theater. You know, when you do a play in LA, like you're not doing it because you think it'll lead to something. You're doing it because you want to do a play. And I feel like this is that, like you have this skill set, you put it on display constantly. You get to use all your creative muscles. You've built up your own audience. Like, and can we talk about the fact that it pays you? Because that's like, what a dream, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. That's what I meant by living a dream is like, yeah. I work from home with my kids. We have two little ones. I'm getting to spend yeah. way more time than with them than I ever dreamed. We have full creative control and flexibility schedule wise. If we need to go visit family in Nashville or Florida, we go. There's no jobs to tell. You can't, you know, anything. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And we are getting paid and there's probably nine or 10 different income streams that you can like, and there's more available, but yeah. you diversify all these income streams and work them like a business because we set up the corporation and run it all through that. And it's great. And then the SAG influencer agreement, you know? Yes. We're going to come right back to that because I want to know what the type of income streams are because you've slowly gained more all the time. What was the first way you started to make money as an influencer? And then what's kind of built on that? It was at first brand deals very early on in late 2020. I probably had like 400,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram was, I forget what, 50,000 maybe. And I reached out to a company that represents quote unquote influencers. And they got mm -hmm. back to me and we signed, I signed on with them. My name is Viral Nation. There's a bunch out there, but I like, I like them. And I've been with them ever since. And so brand deals, a company came to me that was in food tech. It was a great fit. And we did some for them and they paid me per video. I think I did four or five videos with them. And then it's been a, a combination. So, so that was it at first. But then what happened was Instagram and Facebook and YouTube all saw what was happening with TikTok and were jealous and they created their own and mm -hmm. they wanted, so they reached out to a lot of us larger creators and they offered us these bonuses to make reels on Facebook and Instagram and shorts on YouTube. And the bonus money was bonkers early on. Instagram was throwing money at creators. If you were pretty big and you could get a lot of views, it was bonkers. So that's what really went from like, oh, we've replaced my two jobs income to like, oh, now we're making real money. And it was always temporary. Instagrams has completely gone away. Facebook, I know, what a bummer, right? Facebook's went away for their Reels bonuses, but Facebook and YouTube are two very consistent income streams because they do revenue sharing for ad placement within the whole ecosystem of what they do. So if you have content, and you have signed up for their revenue sharing program on YouTube and Facebook, you share in the revenue and YouTube is the best. It's always been the best. We all know that it's just hard to break in, but now with shorts, you can really increase your subscriber count quicker, but YouTube is like very bankable. Their algorithm is also awesome. They show like way more of your actual subscribers than like TikTok is way more <laughs> fickle. So Facebook, YouTube revenue sharing. Some small bonuses on Facebook, Instagram, nothing. It's just there for numbers to help get brand deals, which is still important. Yeah. And then TikTok recently started creativity program beta, and now they are paying really well. 
So it went from very nothing-ish to TikTok is legitimate. But that word beta scares me because that always means like, oh, we're just testing it. It may be gone tomorrow. Don't count on this. (laughs) So those four (laughs) platforms. And then there's another revenue stream is I have a Patreon with monthly subscribers. And then we have the brand deals. And then we have, I make cameos. So that's another one. And then there's, oh, merch. I count that. So those are all the different ones because that way I'm always like trying to insulate ourselves for like TikTok getting banned or this bonus structure going away. So it's like, let's just try to diversify. My wife also does social media for a couple of companies. And then we have our four-year-old working as a busboy at a couple of different restaurants. So keep going. Uh, just for the just for the material, I'm like, come on, right? What else? I what mean, happened today? What's a funny thing that happened today? It's an expensive town, you know. Everyone's got to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love this because you basically went from what we all have been doing is like acting, and then job, 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 and now yeah. it's like acting jobs are all around the same creation point. Like they're all stemming from the same thing. Do you feel more? satiated, calm in your day-to-day life than when you were working all the other jobs. Because sometimes being an entrepreneur is very scary because you're like, what if the bottom falls out tomorrow? It's all on me. It's not like someone's signing the paycheck. But do you feel better on a day-to-day basis than before when you were working a bunch of other jobs? I do feel better for a couple of reasons. We were, you know, we were able to buy a house like in LA, which feels like <laughs> I remember what I'd like hear about friends. <laughs> I'd hear about friends. I'd hear about friends buying a house, and I'm like, what oh, is? So that felt huge and scary. But yeah. you know, you only live once. Like if it's gone tomorrow, it's at least I got like a few months of this like <laughs> feeling. <laughs> But but yeah, it's scary. But I feel good because whenever I go into the room and I hit record, I set it all up, and I'm doing something that we just wrote, and it's I feel so happy. It's like my little happy place. All the entrepreneurial stuff can be exhausting. It's seven days a week. It never stops. But I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing now. I enjoy teaching to a point, but... I'm just so much happier. Like I said, there's getting to do what you want, but also being around my kids and wife, doing it all from home has been great. But yeah, it's of course, it's it's scary being a business owner because especially the way the, the world works now, things change so fast, particularly in media. So it's like, yeah, right now, content creation is bonkers. And I feel like someone who got in on Bitcoin early because we started making these on TikTok before a lot of, people were doing this kind of thing. So I feel a little lucky timing wise. But yeah, it is scary because we all know like a year from now, it might all be VR goggles and like (laughs) a little care about it. And and I don't know what's going to be. We'll all be like floating in space doing. I don't know. I think that people would go to Bistro Huddy in the metaverse. I think people would want to go and you could serve them. Like, you know, there's there's diversification in this process. (laughs) But you know, the funny thing is, it's the same as acting, right? Yeah. Like you could get the show and then the show could get dropped or have to go to a new network or, you know, everything that, that we happens. think is like so out of our control. It, it not, I'll go even further than that. All the safe jobs are like that now too. Like, yeah. oh, you're an engineer with whatever company. So you pick the safe way. Oh, guess what? 3,000 people just got laid off from that company. So it's like, what's safe anymore? I feel like we live in a time more than ever where it's like, 
fuck it, go for your dreams. My God, there's, there is no safe choice anymore. Maybe cybersecurity. <laughs> I hear that's pretty, pretty secure job. I, but what's yeah. safe now? AI is taking things. Corporations do mass layoffs. So like go for your dreams. There is no safe. If you're working for an employer or you have your own business, I think we just live in a time now. Look, I have anxiety. I deal with that all the time. I've gone to meditation people, Reiki specialists, anybody that will help me with anxiety. So I get it. I'm not going to sit here and say that owning the business with a family and everything at stake doesn't stress me out. I just live with this slow hum of anxiety. I always have, but I have managed it a lot better. And part of that management is this feeling of like, you know what? There is no safe choice. So Go for the choice that feeds your soul. So it also feeds your family and gives them health insurance. So let's yes. talk about what, when you're like, I haven't had a ton of theatrical opportunities with SAG, that kind of thing, but you are a SAG member and you have qualified consistently for SAG health and pension since 2020. Is that accurate? For the first time I got SAG health insurance was when I booked a commercial that did really well in 2019. That's how I got it the first time. And then there was a year where they changed what qualified. And that commercial- I think that was, was 2020, gonna, yes. Yeah, that commercial was going to give it to me two years in a row because of the way the payments came out. But yeah. then when they changed it, I didn't qualify the second time. So 2020, I missed. But 2021, 2022, and I think, and I'm on track for 2023, I will have gotten all through the SAG influencer agreement by pushing my brand deals through SAG. Talk to us about how that works. So, yeah, Shane uh, at SAG, I think uh, it was her idea. We put this, a lot of hard work, put this together. And they're great to talk to. But essentially, if you do a deal with a brand and it meets the requirements for the influencer agreement, and some of those, and not all of them, I'll let Shane maybe come on here and tell you more details. Yeah, she'll be on shortly. Okay. One of those qualifications is you can be the only performer in it. So you can't do this with your friends, which luckily I play all the parts. Yes, you have to be the only one in it. It has to be only for your social media channels and the brand's social media channels. They can't show it on television, that kind of thing. Strictly that. There's some other qualifications. But you take the contract you sign with them and you send it to SAG. They will look it over, see if it meets the criteria. And then you have to create a corporation as well. So this can't be you. You have to have a corporation. I have an S-Corp, which is great for actors anyway. When you start making money, if you book a show or anything, you should have an S-Corp. I'll let an accountant come on and talk about that. I don't know. You have to create a corporation and then use the corporation or basically pretend like you are, let's say you're doing a commercial for Geico, right? Geico, the brand, pays into SAG pension and health for you, the actor. So if Sam books the Geico commercial, she gets paid, but also Geico pays a percentage to SAG Pension Health. That's how we have our health plan. That's why there's minimums because it has to be fed in for us to get the benefits. Well, you as an influencer are doing both. You're the performer and you're the company, you're the brand. Now you could negotiate with your brand to pay this percentage. I have not done that yet, but that is possible. But what I do is, Bistro Eddie, the corporation, you know, pays, I think it's at least 20% of what you were paid. So let's say I do a brand deal and I'm not going to give you my real numbers. I'm going to go a little lower just to kind of give you an example. Let's say it's a thousand dollar 
deal. So they're paying me a thousand dollars to make a video. I have to say at least 2000 of that 20% is what I'm going to claim with SAG. And then I have to pay SAG 20.5% of the 2000, which is what about $400? Okay. So if it was, oh, no, I'm sorry, 40, 40 would be $40. Okay. What's yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah, I was I mean, going off a thousand or I, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm bad at math. I'm an actor. So $40 you pay to SAG, right? Uh-huh. And then 2000 of that would go towards your, what do you need now? 24000 to qualify for? Yeah, I think it's like 24 Not It's like almost 25 basically. Okay. So now you have 2000 towards that. So if you do more brand deals throughout the year and you get to 24 whatever the threshold is, right. boom, now you've qualified for benefits for the next year and you've got a pension point. If you do five in a row, you now have pension. If you do... 10 throughout your career. Yeah. Do it. So there's different ways to do it, but that's it. That's how it works. Yeah. And you have it for yourself, your wife, and your kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's great insurance. Everybody kind of knows that. That's why we all want it. And then you pay quarterly your premium, which compared to most insurance is very low. I think for me, my wife, and two kids, it's around, I think it's $700 four times a year. Is that right? Oh God, that's amazing. It's amazing. It is. I am on it for the first time ever as of the first of this month of July. And I could not be more excited. I actually went through and... Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I went through and paid for a year because I just Mm -hmm. wanted to knock something out while I was, while I had the income. I love yeah. paying bills in advance. <laughs> so I actually paid the whole year for my husband and I, and and I was oh, thrilled wow. to just, it feels really cool. And because I'm under the podcast agreement, as well mm-hmm. as have commercials through the regular SAG after commercial agreement. And mm-hmm. to know that it's kind of in my hands, if I need to earn more, I will earn more, you know, and the, the podcast agreement versus the influencer agreement, they're all a little different. But I think that's so cool that like, they're with it. This is yeah. how actually making money now. And like, this is so current. It's smart for them too. They're getting money out of this. Like I said, yeah. I'm paying 20.5% of whatever I claim. So like I'm writing significant checks to them and you might be like, well, maybe have you considered other insurance options? Cause maybe it'd be about the same in the long run. Well, here's why it's different. When I'm putting that money towards SAG, if I do get my pension, after I retire, I'm going to get it all back and then some. So to me, all that money, I'm uh, all the percentage I'm writing over to SAG is just for now, you know? Yeah. It's almost like saving for retirement, right? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Do you know of other people who are on the influencer agreement? No, that's the thing. I, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not a part of any influencer. Like there's a discord I'm on with some people, but I just don't, I know who a lot of content creators are. I don't know which of them are actually SAG after it. Yeah. 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 Like Caitlin I and I, so we're so not cool. like friends. We don't talk. So it's like, I don't know yeah. what she's doing with that. I would be very curious. I'll ask her. Something you said earlier was most people my age have quit by now. We have a heavy amount of listeners who are younger, who are newer to this career. And I would be curious what you would like to say about that topic because I feel the same way. I'm in my mid-30s and I'm watching people choose other things, which if it makes them happier and it continues their life the way they wish to, Godspeed. But it's hard. So beyond like the, the things in, in Groundlings and now the work you're doing, what has kept you going? I remember 
saying to myself early on, well, I'll go further back. I remember reading a Reader's Digest at home when I was like 10, 11 years old. And there was an interview with Jewel. Remember Jewel, the the singer, songwriter? And there was an interview and she lived in a car for a, a while, you know, while she was struggling. And I remember she said in the article I read, I didn't have a plan B. That's it. I didn't have a plan B. I was going to be a singer songwriter, full stop, or die trying. And I remember being like, done, I'm in. <laughs> like I was a kid and I'm like, that's me. I would say to people like, I remember telling my brother, like I might be 80 years old and it's still trying to make it as an actor, but that's what I'm going to be. So for me, I was all in. Now, I wavered a few times. Most recently, there was a relationship before my wife it was a long-term relationship with someone who actually encouraged me to kind of stop trying. And I was in my early 30s. And I think she just had it up the opinion, you know, like, you need to get a real job at this point, blah, blah, blah. So I was frustrated by that because I want to keep trying. But then in my late 30s, I'm, I'm with my wife and I came, I, I just had this disastrous audition and I was in the car. It was a half crying, half pounding, like whatever I, like the, the dashboard in front of me. And I was just full of emotion and anger. And just, I couldn't believe I had worked so hard on this audition and I just, just, it just fell apart in the room. Something, something happened that threw me off and a note early on. And I just, and I just remember being like, I can't fucking do this. You know, I'm screaming into the phone, like at my wife, not angry at her. Just like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. You know? And she was the one who said, look, look, I'm married to this woman. She knows how old I am. I'm late thirties. She's younger than me a little bit, but this is her moment for a lot of wives at this point. This could be a great opportunity to be like, yeah, okay. Well, you look, you gave it a great shot. Maybe try this. And cause she's thinking about financial stability and all this, right? No, Andrea's like, you're not stopping. You're never going to stop. I'm not going to let you. You have something to offer this world and you're not quitting, period. I will do whatever I have to do to help us. You'll do whatever I have to do, but you're not stopping. And I was like, but, and she's like, no. And I was like, okay. That was a few years before this all started happening, you know? So I had support behind me with her, but that was the one moment I was like, I'm done. I just can't physically. I'd also just come out of, I was only clean and sober for a while just to, I'm not going to go off on that too long, but I went through a really dark period of substance abuse in my thirties and I've been clean and sober for uh, eight years, but it was like, I was just, I couldn't take it anymore, you know? But yeah, to answer your question, I resolved early on. I'm not saying that's how everybody should do it. I was just kind of like, I'm all in on this, you know? Yeah. Well, in my eyes, you are making it as an entertainer. You are making it as an actor because you're paying your bills via acting. It's on a different screen than we maybe pictured, but I mean, you're doing it. I'm sure. Do people recognize you sometimes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's been a real weird, weird part of it for sure. And it doesn't, I mean, if we go to eat at a restaurant, it's 90. 5% 5% of the time because so many of our audience are servers or, or like the cooks come out from behind because the servers might tell them and they'll be like, sometimes they say something, mostly they do, you know, because they feel a kinship 
we lo- love it, you know. But yeah, it's it's out and about. And it surprises me because it's like I went on a trip to Nashville for a friend's wedding and like it was hap- the steward in the airplane was like, hey, love videos. And then there was a guy who grabbed me in the airport was like, I just want to say blah, blah, blah. And it turns out he was in construction as a construction foreman with like two kids, like never been in a restaurant in his life. So, and then I had a party where it was like, uh, a guy who said he just watches them to unwind in his hotel room in the evenings. And then a, a, a like a 10 year old came up to me later and said he loved them. So I'm like, Oh, cause for a while I thought it was just restaurant people, but now I'm starting to be like, wow, it's like, it's like a lot of people outside of the restaurant world, which has been really cool to see. That's rad. I mean, that is the dream, right? Yeah. Especially at my age, you know, it's like, I've seen a lot and like, I really appreciate it. I don't really get too caught up in it. Cause like, I don't know, there's been a lot of things in my life to this point that have humbled me a lot. So I just feel a lot of gratitude. Well, there's something special too about something that you made being the thing. Cause it's like a part of you and all of the characters. Like it was not, Mm. you know, a bunch of people's jobs to put that all, like it was you and your wife. And that, that was, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, there's a community aspect to it too that maybe doesn't exist with a lot of things because we comment with all these people that follow. And so we build relationships through Patreon and different things like that. Just the comments. And we're making content that they feel like it makes them feel less alone. So if you're a server in Paducah, Kentucky, and you've worked at Applebee's for three years, you may feel like these things that are happening to you is just you. And then you see these videos and you see all the comments and you're like, oh my God, I'm not alone. And so there's an aspect to this that's more than just like, oh, I recognize you because you make funny videos. They're like, they feel a connection that's very like, we work together, you know? That's, it feels really good. Yeah. Oh God, community is huge. In terms of your actor life, did you get a lot of your community from the Groundlings? And you also said you took other acting classes that were helpful. Where have you taken class that you enjoyed? I did, well, I did a little Leslie Kahn back okay. in the day. I've done some on-camera with Margie Haber, which mm-hmm. is good. I did some scene study early on with a, a teacher who's no longer in LA. Uh, God, I'm dropping his name right now. It was good. And then there's been a few others. And then, yeah, Groundlings was was just the improv part of it. The Groundlings is like, it feels like home just because like, it's like the home base. But yeah, the community yeah. community is from all those different touch points. Uh, the classes I've taken and working in, in restaurants too. Yes. Yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah. Like the places you work yeah. in LA are also become your community. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it built the foundation for your entire platform right now. Yeah. Like that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that's amazing. I want to make sure we had some questions from Patreon. From I have a Patreon too. And I wanted to make sure we hit on their questions. Someone asked, for those of us not on TikTok, how does revenue work? Aside from sponsored content, how do they pay their creators? Is it like YouTube where they run ads? So early on, they had a program for creators where you got paid and it was minuscule. There's something called RPM, which is revenue per milli, which means this is how much money they pay you per 1,000 views, milli for 1,000. And it was like literally... 10, 15 cents per milli, which, so you, you would have a, a video get a million views and you'd get basically paid about 
$3840 for that. Oh my god, that's horrible. So, yeah, so I could have a month where I went gangbusters, like bunch of viral videos, millions and millions of views, and I might make 6-700 for the month. That was like really good for TikTok. So it was it was like I said, it was a small part of the equation. It wasn't enough to really And then they changed it about two months ago. They introduced the creativity program beta. There's some thresholds you have to hit for follower counts. And then your videos for this particular one have to be at least one minute long. So if you're making your 15 second video, it won't qualify. So that tells you TikTok is looking for longer content now, which is very interesting. Well, luckily we were creating videos that were about 45 seconds to a minute anyway. So now what I do is I just make sure they're a minute. We have an idea, we flesh it out, we write it, I time it. I'll like read all the parts out loud and time it. And I'm like, I need five more seconds here. What's another joke? So we'll get it to a minute, a minute and one second or whatever. Some of them are longer, but around a minute. And then I upload it and then it will qualify. And that pays, remember the RPM was like 15 cents, 20. This is paying like anywhere from like 60 cents to $1.20 RPM. Okay. Okay. So now you you do the math, you know, like sometimes the RPM for the other one was like 10 cents. So this is like eight to 12 times. So I told you what I made with the other one. So you can do the math and imagine what they're paying now. And it's real money now. Now it's beta. I've also noticed the RPMs are creeping down. I don't know if they're like, okay, let's turn the faucet down a little bit. Or if it's like a shared thing with however many creators are using it, and possibly as the word gets out, it just gets the money pool gets diluted a little bit more. So like I'm monitoring this stuff and I'm not ready to say, bank it. This is what I'm going to make this year off TikTok. It could go away next month. It could be reduced to something that's inconsequential again, but currently it's paying very well. That's amazing. Ah. Thank God. It's a little more. Podcasts also use RPMs very commonly and they're a little bit higher, but it would probably bankrupt them if they did that. It's like 10 to $20 per thousand typically for a podcast. So per thousand, that's amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I gotta um, do a podcast. But listen, I know a girl. That's my other <laughs> business is running podcast production, but that, you know, it's a much more typically long form content. So Although you right, you don't have the usually you don't unless you're like smartless or one broke actress, you're not having huge. Oh, uh, I mean, I just want to thank you for putting me on the level I'm of smartless. You, I think right they there. have a million times what I have, but I'm so close, so close. For now um, you have to understand, the, I'm as a circle, right? Right. You, you, yeah. All you have to do, I tell you, just pull further out and look at a bigger chunk of the time. Right now, you just focus where you are right now, but like. That is too the thing about staying in content is like it feels there is a an awesome person. I run a community called The Membership and it's like a home base for actors to feel less crazy, to talk about things, to ask questions, to get real help constantly. And we have an actress on there who was like, I want to start posting content on social media. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. What platform? What do you want to do? Like we kind of got specific and she was so nervous and rightly so, because it's very scary to start putting yourself on the internet, especially when yeah. you're considered an actor. 
because people judge you to a higher level. What sort of advice would you give to someone in that sphere? I have one more Patreon question I want to ask, but like, what sort of advice would you tell someone about putting themselves out there on the internet in the judgmental world of the actor, especially? I always feel this because you mentioned a woman. I feel like it's so much harder for a woman. And I'm in the world of comments. I I don't know how you guys do it. I I just want to say that up front, okay? Because the comments, it's just, it's just, I get it. Like I, so I'm going to say that and then I'll say my advice. Yeah. You can take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> you just got to do it. You got to put yourself out there because you will learn as you go. And more and more, we're all getting used to people kind of learning in front of us. Like think of the creators you like. You've, you've probably seen a progression of quality, you know, like they had this kernel of something that drew you to them, but they weren't this fully polished thing right off the bat. You know, if you look at my early videos, just from a production standpoint, I'm still shooting on an iPhone, but there's a sharpness. I did some research and got better at keying out my green screen and that kind of thing. So there's some stuff you can do to get better and, and pacing wise, I've learned and the editing part of it and all that. So just learn as you go. And just start. Don't wait to, I know you've heard it before, but you you need to hear it and really absorb it. You just have to start doing it in earnest and learn as you go. TikTok really changed the game too, where the almost unpolished, unprofessional look is almost rewarded now. That's actually what people are drawn to. So I would say too, I've seen some great actors who use social media to put themselves out there but they make it feel very different than a polished actory thing. It's a chance to show you, be a little more vulnerable and just be you a little bit and use it on the side. If you want to use it to showcase your acting, you can do what Caitlin does. I think she's a, she's someone who sh- you should use as inspiration. Leo Gonzalez is another great one, you know, because they're using yeah. just, they use real backgrounds. They don't even, they don't know anything about, they're not doing a lot of, well, maybe some green screen, but not typically, you know, they're just in their house or they'll use a friend's restaurant or something for one little bit idea and, and just play around. And I know it's scary. I get it, but do it in earnest, do your best, but start putting yourself out there and learn if you really want to, if you really want yeah. to go for it. Yeah. Oh, I always say my friend has a great thing. She says, burn the first pancake. I'm like, yeah, burn the fucking pancake. Yeah. Because it's like trying to get it right. Like if you knew, if you were trying to make Bistro Huddy when you made your first video, you'd be like, oh, I got to get like all these characters. I got it. Like you would have been so overwhelmed. You probably never would have Oh, that's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. I just had one dumb idea, you know? I think it literally was like, you know, when you pick up the laundry and you don't have a a basket, you try to do it with your hands off the floor and and the sock drops. And so you reach to grab the sock and then, underwear falls you pack pick that up and then you know so i literally made that video or something or i I made some stupid tiktok i just started doing that and like a lot of them are super cringe you can also go back and delete yeah yeah (laughs) which i say like fuck it keep it up i like to see a progression i like to see people get better like if you scroll back to my early one broke actress stuff there's like weird fonts and like i had a recipe guide for a while like it was it was so but I'm so glad I have that to compare to because now I have, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. My YouTube channel I mentioned was for a year. It was all built around this character I named Curtis Creep. And he was a creepy weirdo with this awful bowl cut wig who I just thought was so funny. 
And I put him in all these situations and it was just crickets. I had like a, one fan in Australia and I, <laughs> my, fr- my friends were just like more, more. And I look back at it, it's most of it. There's maybe two videos I would show people now. And most of it was just cringe. And I was playing around with like playing all the parts in some of them. And it was like the way I would, or, but I'd, I learned so much. Yeah. And the amount of content that is out there, I'm not thinking about somebody's five-year-old post. To be not honest, right. I'm not, you guys, I'm not thinking about your content. I really am. I'm not scrolling through and being like, oh, I'm never going to watch this again. Like I, there's not enough time and there's way too much content. Right. That, like I don't think about it. I just continue yeah. on as my day. <laughs> and we're all too worried about ourselves anyway. Yeah. <laughs> also great acting advice. Okay. Let me see. Yeah. One more Patreon question. Was Drew already in SAG before utilizing the influencer contract, which you answered you were? Are there requirements for union eligibility for the influencer if they are not SAG already? Didn't Shane on that panel we did, Sam, because I met Sam doing a panel about this. Did Shane say that you could use the influencer agreement to qualify for I believe to become SAG eligible? I believe she did. Yeah, I, I, I would let accurate. her. Let, please, listener, wait for Shane and ask that question again because I, I can't recall. Yeah, we'll make sure. I didn't sure. think about it because I was, I was already SAG. I got Taft-Hartley when I was 18 for this uh, commercial in Nashville. We'll have Shane on to answer all of those more specific shortly as a SAG after staff member. But before we go, will you share, didn't you have an interesting SAG after joining story that you shared when we did that panel together? Well, I just, I just said it. So it's like, I'll elaborate a little bit, but I was 18 years old in Nashville and I got headshots, black and white headshots. That's how I am. That was the norm. That was all there was. And I started going on these auditions and in Nashville, it was commercials and country music videos is what you'd go mm-hmm. out for. <laughs> and I booked a commercial for the Tennessee Valley Authority, which is the company that runs, it's like the LADWP kind of mm-hmm. for several states around there. And they were doing commercial and I went and it was like pretty cool set. It felt very big. Like there was a, a big crew. I didn't know anything from anything. Did it. And years later, I'm in LA, I'm working at the Hungry Cat, this restaurant in Hollywood, seafood restaurant, and there's a regular there. And we start talking a lot. Finally, he's like, he finds out I'm an actor and he says, let's meet. I'm a manager. So we meet, I show him all my materials. He wants to sign me, but he's, he goes, are you SAG eligible or SAG? I'm like, I'm I'm not, you know, I didn't even have a voucher, you know? He's like, all right, well, are you sure? Like you didn't do it. I'm like, no, I think I would know if I'm SAG or SAG eligible. He was like, well, just check. I think you can call this number and just check, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I go, I did do a commercial. He's like, well, was it union? I'm like, I do remember my girlfriend at the time's mom, who was a voiceover person and an actor who had been in the union saying, you know, that's a union job, whatever that meant. I said yeah. that to him. He's like, you fucking idiot. Go call, call. And I, so I call SAG. I'm like, at the time, I think I'm, I want to say like 30 years old. And they're like, yeah, you're SAG eligible. Looks like you did something in, you know, 1990, whatever. It would be 1988. Or no, no, 94. And I'm like, oh my God. So I told him, I'm like, I'm SAG eligible. He's like, amazing. So he signed me and all that. But that's, I just went for 12 years I came out here, I was out here trying to do it 
the whole time I was SAG eligible and didn't know. Now there's the website so easy. You just put your name in and it'll tell you. But like if you didn't even think about it, it's so funny. The contracts you sign and the paperwork you sign when you're 16, 18, 20, 22 before realizing yeah. like what you're actually signing. No idea. I love that story. Yeah. You were so pre-qualified and you didn't even know it. And I, I love I'm that. So unobservant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like what a win and your and that it ends up signing with that manager. God, I love it. Yeah. Drew, this is great. I think you're phenomenal. And I think you're showing, I think, a side of acting that we didn't program into our brains as what acting is. But I think it's such a good use of your skills. You're performing for people on a constant basis and you're paying for your bills with it, which so I see it as high level acting. I see you as having more of an audience than a lot of celebrities. So I just want to say, please keep doing what you're doing. And I love it. And thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Sam, for having me on and saying all those nice things. I really appreciate it. You said you weren't great with like complimentary things. So I thought I'd just smooth it over at the end. (laughs) Where do you keep trying? Yeah, you did a great job handling that. Where do you want to direct people to for your socials? Because we know you're on all the platforms. Okay. Yeah. It's not under Bistro Heidi. It's under my name. That's how it started. So it's uh, TikTok is Drew underscore Talbert and uh, Instagram is Drew Talbert and Facebook. You can find me as Drew Talbert. Same with YouTube. If you just search for Drew Talbert, you should should find it. It's, it's on all, all four of those places. There's a Patreon, patreon.com slash Drew Talbert, which your viewers, your listeners know. And then also, I don't know, there's merch. Yeah. <laughs> Bistro, yeah. That's com. Perfect. We'll link it all in the show notes. Thanks, Drew. Thank you very much.